Good morning, Sarah Hepla. Good morning, Nancy Rommelman. How's it going over there? It's good here in upstate New York. It's uh, kind of chilly, but it's very, very sunny. I don't know. Um, hey, John Ronson, how's the weather where you are? Hey, well, I'm about a 20-minute drive away from you, so I'm assuming, <laughs> having not actually gone out yet, that it's, it's the same weather. Yeah. Um, it looks pretty. The, I can see that, my, that the grass is uh, doing a lot of shaking, so I'm assuming it's windy. Shaking Um grass. You tipped our hand, Nancy. We have a guest. We do. Uh, I wrote an introduction for our guest. Can I read it? I'm not going to sing it. Damn. Um, John Ronson is a journalist, storyteller, and the enchanting mind behind Things Fell Apart, the 2021 (laughs) BBC podcast that examines origin tales of the culture wars. For my money, Things Fell Apart is one of the best podcasts of our tumultuous era. One of those rare examples of journalism that explains our current divisions without getting dragged down by them. He answered my prayers to the baby Jesus by releasing a second season of that podcast this month. It takes place during the upside-down time of the pandemic. But Ronson is so much more than a podcaster. His 2015 book, So You've Been Publicly Shamed, basically predicted cancel culture. He's written such classics as Them, Adventures with Extremists, and The Psychopath Test, A Journey Through the Madness Industry. His many documentaries, podcasts, and essays have taken him through the strange worlds of porn, the paranormal, neo-Nazis, and he's always kind enough to bring us along with him, which often feels like he's leading us back to each other. John Ronson, welcome to Smoke Him If You Got Him. Sarah, thank you for that lovely introduction. That was very, all very flattering, and and uh, thank you. Did I get anything wrong? Was it? No, I think it was all. Fact check me. No, I think I, I agreed with all of the praise and, <laughs> and, and the things that you omitted, I thought were sort of fine to omit. So, yeah. yeah, you've got a really long Wikipedia page. Um, you have it's a, because a... all I do is work. I just, all, all I do is work, especially now that my son is grown up. He's mid-twenties now. And I've been married for like decades. So, you know, I just, I just work. For some reason, all of my... You know, I was I was I was um, I, I was hospitalized last week for pulmonary embolism, and when I got out of hospital, luckily I've, I'm working on a new book, and and I sort of lay here writing my new book and chuckling away, and I could feel, you know, the 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 joy of work was making my making my illness better. I'll bet. I mean, that's horrible. Now, this was something that happened because you had COVID, but you know that there are many people out there that are immediately thinking, no, it's not the COVID, it's the vaccine. Right. And a couple of people said that to me. So I had my vaccine last September, um, which, by the way, fat lot of good that did me, given that I was, hos- <laughs> was hospitalized last week. And people were saying like... Um, oh, well, maybe it was the vaccine. And I'm like, I've literally just had COVID. Like, what's more likely? So, yeah. Um, uh, When I Googled you on to look at the Wikipedia thing to figure out who the hell you were, um, it pops up these Google results of things that people often ask when they're Googling you. I wondered (laughs) if we could just go through these to just clear up so many of the Internet's questions about you. Absolutely. Can I make two guesses, which usually are the first things. It's like, it'll be John Ronson, wife, 
and John Ronson like net worth. Those are usually like the two things when you pop up. <laughs> I've That's... got one guess. I've got one guess. Uh, is John Ronson related to Mark Ronson? Number one question <laughs> is. <laughs> <laughs> so the answer. Okay. So the answer to that is is no. However, there's so few notable Ronsons out in the world that a couple of years ago I, I was at a music I was giving a talk at a music festival and Mark Ronson was there so I introduced myself I said I'm John Ronson and he was like oh my god and we we basically decided between us that even though we aren't related we kind of feel like we're related and and Mark Ronson is a music producer, right? And a sort of yeah. DJ to, I don't know what he he's like a jack of all trades kind of musician guy. Yeah, he did, like, most recently, he did the Barbie soundtrack, so that Dua Lipa yeah. song, and before that, um, he did that great um, Bruno Mars song, um, I don't, which has completely slipped out of my head now, um, and uh, Amy Winehouse. So Yeah, yeah great, he was the Amy Winehouse great. producer, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. All right, well, you, you nailed uh, the number one question. You got it exactly right. Number two question, how old is John Ronson? I, I am... F- Fifty fucking six. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. <laughs> um, where does John Ronson live? Okay, I I um, I divide my time between uh, a house in a village in upstate New York, very close to Nancy, uh, and a little one bedroom apartment in Greenwich Village. Uh, but I also go back to London. Thank you. I also go back to London maybe, you know, four or five times a year. So even though I don't own anywhere there, I kind of go back a lot. And and that question did feel coded to me um, of another way of saying, where is John Ronson's accent from? Oh. Right. Well, I have a, I've got this sort of weird accent, uh, which even though I, I, I'm Welsh, I, was, I lived in Cardiff till I was nearly 18. It's not a Welsh accent. What I moved to Manchester when I was in my early 20s to work with bands. I, I, I managed a band called The Man From Del Monte and I played keyboards in a band called The Frank Sidebottom Band. And for some reason, I, I, I um, developed a Manchester accent when I was there. Uh, and now my accent is just this you know, weird hybrid of a bit of Manchester, a bit of London. It's, it's kind of an accent that makes no sense. It's it's singular to you. It's very special. I I yeah. have a question. Uh-huh. Are you related uh-huh. to Mick Ronson? No, and I don't actually know if Mick Ronson and Mark Ronson are related to each other either. Yeah. Um, so no, I don't think I'm related to any notable Ronson, except for the fact that my auntie Mavis Ronson was, uh, she died when I was 10, but she had a very illustrious life. She was a photographer at the age of, like 18, I think, she went around the world. This is in the 50s when, you know, young wow. young women, you know, not least young Jewish women from London, she went around the world with a friend. She got shipwrecked with opium smugglers and she met the Dalai Lama. And uh, yes, and she wrote a whole book about it called We Never Meant to Go So Far. So when she returned from her travels, she she returned like a kind of celebrity. Um, uh, and there's these amazing photos of her like hiding, you know, from like, you know, shooters and, and on a beach having been shipwrecked and, you know, with all these opium smugglers. And then she became um, a music photographer and 
uh, after she died, I was like rifling through her stuff. And in fact, I could show you. Well, I could get, and I, I found a photograph of her with the Rolling Stones, uh, which she had taken in in my grandparents' kitchen in central London. Send that um, to us later, and I will put it uh, okay. in, the, in the show notes. Have they made totally, a movie? Yeah. Have they made a movie about her life? No, no, never. But you know, this book she wrote, we never meant to go so far. Is it's it's movie worthy. I mean, it's amazing uh, that she uh, had these adventures. Uh, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Nancy wants uh, to play her. She's uh, raising her hand. Yes, I look eighteen. No, but I can write it. <laughs> I mean, you should not? write it. Why will? Um, I mean, my, my cousins would be delighted. Um, and anyway, so then after her music career, like she photographed the monkeys and the Rolling Stones, and and then she became like a sort of pioneer, uh, apparently of. Um, you know when you like would go to hairdressers in the fifties and the sixties, and they had you know just these heads of 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 you know women, and you say I want that haircut. You know, just it's something we kind of completely take for granted now. But apparently, she was like a pioneer of of that. Um, and then she developed cancer. I, I remember her like I was always her favorite grandchild. She would send me music. She sent me like oh. when I was three. She sent me Life on Mars by David Bowie. Um, and uh, Black Betty by Ram Jam, wow. and uh, and then when I was ten, she she died. Yeah. Uh, wow. So she was She's the a, only. Yeah. An adventurer and a glamour girl is a woman after our own hearts. Oh yeah. I know, right? And and you know, this wasn't you know something that Ronsons did. I mean, her father, my grandfather, was a milliner. My dad, you know, ran a warehouse. So it's not like we came from that sort of life. But there was probably a little part of me that was like, well, if Auntie Mavis can do it, I can do it. And wow. do, do it you have. Um, so I'm, I'm going to echo uh, Sarah in being absolutely delighted that you made a uh, second season of Things Fell Apart. I also think that 2020 is just, it is going to be endlessly fertile ground for all of us in terms of our writing. It just will keep giving us stories because of, because of the craziness that occurred. And one thing when I was, I was re-listening to an episode this morning, because it turned out I, I kind of missed one of the episodes. I don't know how I did it, but I did that. And I was wondering in terms of conspiracy theories, what sort of what sort of environment do you think creates our desire to believe conspiracy theories? Because it was just insane what happened, mm -hmm. including people that are so like in terms of like the great reset that you talk mm -hmm. about in one particular episode. All of these people that are just doing sort of simple little things like creating a sleeping pot or like maybe I'll cook with crickets. All of a sudden they have millions of people attacking them for their ideas, which they have put together with all these other ideas that have nothing in common. And they're fighting so hard against a conspiracy that they themselves created. And it's like, what is it in people that they, they want to create something that they can fight against? Right. And I agree. It's it's nuts and mysterious and fascinating and one of the great mysteries of our time, particularly because more and more people are succumbing, you know, to these rabbit holes and in, in their own ways. And it's not just, you know, crazy right wing conspiracy 
theories that you know it happens on the left in its own way and so on so yes yeah, so it fascinates me the first time i noticed it was when i snuck into bohemian grove with alex jones you know so me and alex jones snuck into this secret camp in northern california where elites have a mock human sacrifice where they cover, you know, they all dress up in robes and hoods like like kind of posh clansmen. This is the last chapter of my book, Them. And um, uh, and they have this kind of ritual which culminates in a human effigy being thrown into a bonfire in front of a giant stone owl. And Henry Kissinger's there. Uh, (laughs) It's just like the great... And me and Alex Jones snuck in and witnessed it all. And, and Alex secretly filmed it as well. And it was so crazy and so fascinating and mysterious. And then we both went back to our kind of separate worlds. I went back to London and wrote about it, you know, accurately. And Alex went back to Austin and brought out this documentary called Dark Secrets Inside Bohemian Grove, where he said that we quite possibly witnessed an actual human sacrifice. And I'm like, why do you need that? <laughs> Why do you need to do that, Alex? Like, you know, you know that phrase in Judaism, Diana, like that is sufficient. Like, isn't what we saw sufficient? Uh, So, um, okay, so why? I I think there's a bunch of reasons. Um, I've just been reading Naomi Klein's Doppelganger, which which I like a lot, but I have reservations about. Yeah, um, this is the one where she talks about her similarity to the Naomi uh, Wolf. Wolf is sort of yeah. that's the conceit, and then how Naomi Wolf kind of got pulled into a, a lot of what Klein sees as conspiracy theories. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it starts brilliantly with her. She's like in a toilet cubicle, and she's overhearing like during Occupy, and she's overhearing people outside saying. You know, can you believe what Naomi Klein's done now? <laughs> and yeah, she yeah, yeah, that yeah. They're talking about Naomi Wolf. Um, so it's a very funny conceit, and I, and and I think she's really interesting in lots of ways. But but then I stopped reading it because she does this thing about public shaming, like like it's still the idea of you know public shaming on the left is still so like sacrosanct that anyway. I thought that. Naomi Klein was so clever and interesting about so many aspects of what's going on. Hi, Smoke em If You Got em listeners. This is Sarah Heppola with Nancy Rommelman. Hi. We're inviting you to listen to the rest of this conversation, but you have to subscribe. Go to smokeempodcast.substack.com slash subscribe. We hope to see you on the other side. Bye.